Let's pray, and then we'll get started with our lesson this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the health and the strength to be able to come. We thank you for the gentle rain that you send, Lord, to water the earth and, and how you just bless us with so many things, God. Things that we take for granted as well as the things that are obvious, Lord, we want to give you praise for those. Father, I invite you by the Holy Spirit of God, just come and tabernacle among us this morning. Father, may you receive our praises, Lord. May we praise you and worship you from sincere hearts that are grateful, that are in love with you, and that adore you, Lord. May that be the case, Father. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd bless the anointing, uh, send, send forth the anointing and bless the reading of your word and the study of your word this morning. Bless the preaching, bless the choir and the worship and the orchestra and all of the singing, God. And we just offer it all to you as a praise and as a, gloria, a glorious thing, Lord, that, that you would find acceptable, that we would make you a beautiful home in our praises, Lord, a place that you love to dwell in. Father, I pray for your anointing right now. I just present myself as your servant. I pray that you would speak to us this morning. I ask for the anointing of the Lord upon every teacher in every class and that the word of the Lord will go through, go forth, and do its good work, that which you've ordained for it to do when you send it forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, we've been studying about names of God in this series and in this, um, these lessons that we've been doing. And um, we've talked about the God who is El Elyon, the God Most High, the God who has no equal and has no rival. Hallelujah. And we looked at El Roy last week, the God who sees us right where we are and cares enough to act on our behalf, the God who sees exactly what our situation is and can lead us out and can give us wisdom. Today, we're going to look at one of my favorites, and this is one also that has convicted me of late, and I'm going to share some of that with you this morning as we go through this, but the one I want to go to this morning is El Shaddai. The Almighty God, we call it, and, and in most translations, that's how it's translated. But I'm going to give you some of my personal testimony this morning and how this one has really become very, very real to me of late. <clears throat> but we're going to start in the Word of God where this name first appears, and that is in Genesis chapter 17. We're going to start reading in verse 1, so if you'd like to pull that up, you certainly may. In the backstory here, God promised Abram a son and the land of Israel. Neither had become a reality yet to him. In Genesis 16, we just finished that chapter last week where we talked about El Roy, but in that chapter, that's where God, um, God shows us <clears throat> how Abram and Sarah, they had a plot to help God out. They were tired of waiting. It had been 10 years, and they said, well, maybe the Lord needs a little help. So they decided to concoct this thing and, and work this thing out to give God some help. And they found out God didn't need any help. It just wasn't the right timing yet. And so right after that, we talked about Elroy last week, and then I want to read you how 
Genesis 16 ends, and then we'll begin reading in 17 for our study today. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son whom Hagar bore him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. So when we end chapter 16, Abram is 86 years old. Now, beginning in chapter 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. I'm going to stop right there for just a minute because when I was reading this again yesterday in preparation for today, the Spirit of the Lord just spoke that to me, and I'm claiming that for my family. He promised here to Abraham that he would be God to him and to his descendants. And I got children and I got grandchildren, and I want them to know God the way I know God. I want them to be found in him just the same as me, and I want them to go on with God. And I'm believing the Lord that he's the same God today that he was when he made that promise to Abraham. And according to Galatians chapter 3, I'm entitled to the same promises that he gave Abraham because I'm in faith. So I believe that. And I encourage you to believe the word of God for your family as well. Going on, also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, and then he goes on and he gives him more specifics about this covenant. But then let's go over to Genesis 18 and continue reading. In verse 1, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a calf, a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man and he hastened to prepare it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them And as he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, 
After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, did, how, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And when I was studying for this lesson several weeks ago even, and the Lord was beginning to give me these things, he was beginning to convict me. And that verse is what convicted me. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And so I'm going to share a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. But we are talking in this lesson about El Shaddai, the God who just appeared to Abraham in Genesis 17 and said, I am almighty God. I want to talk about the meanings of this word so you understand as we build this lesson. El Shaddai has some different people's interpretation of it. Different scholars and researchers have thought differently about it. So I'm going to share a few of those thoughts with you. It could be that, that all of them have meaning to them. One is that he is considered the many-breasted one, taken from the root for shad. And in saying this, they're not talking about God being a female God, but rather that God is the one who supplies and provides nourishment for life and sustenance, as a mother's milk would for a baby. <clears throat> so that is referring to the one who would nourish, supply, and satisfy. Others have called him the God of the mountain, from another possible translation of that Hebrew word. And that would refer to God's strength, God's firmness, and his ability to do things that would shine forth in there. Anne Spangler makes a point about this, and she says that this signifies God's strength and unchanging nature here, like the mountains are strong and unchanging. So that's a possibility. Often, this is translated as almighty or all-powerful. The Strong's and many other concordances and dictionaries define it this way. El Shaddai definitely speaks of his might, his power, and the fact that he is able. He is able. I love the theological word book. It talks about this, and it says it is a compound word composed of a couple of words that mean who is enough. He is the one who is self-sufficient, the one who is enough. He doesn't need anything outside of himself to do anything he's promised to do. He is able, he is almighty and self-sufficient. God reveals himself as the one in this phrase, El Shaddai, who compels nature even to do what is contrary to itself. He is able to triumph over every obstacle and all opposition. This stresses that he is able exceedingly and abundantly. And we're going to look at that in just a moment where Paul tells us that. He is supernaturally able. He is more powerful even than nature itself and can override nature at his call. He is more powerful than any force of heaven, earth, 
or of hell below. He supersedes them all. He excels above them all. He is able and abundantly so. I love this. The God who is even more than enough, not just enough, not just self-sufficient, but more than enough and well able. He's more than enough to handle it. Abram was in a situation where nature was against him. It was impossible in the natural. As a matter of fact, I thought about naming, naming this the God of the impossible. And then I came to realize that word's not in God's dictionary. It doesn't exist in God's vocabulary. It's a foreign concept to him. There's no such thing to him as something that is beyond his possibility, his power. And so God reveals himself to Abram when Abram's 99 years old and says, yeah, in the natural, ain't no way it's going to happen, but I'm almighty God. I'm the God of the impossible. I'm the God of miracles. I'm the God who is able to supersede nature when I have to, to do what I said I would do. And that's, this is what El Shaddai reveals to us. He is the God who is exceedingly able to act on our behalf, even when the circumstances seem impossible. That's exactly what we find here. And we find throughout even other examples in Scripture. So I want to talk to you about this God who is exceedingly abundantly able. He's the God who has the ability to do what he said. He has the power to do what he said. He has the authority to do what he said. We see that in the life of Christ many times when he commanded the waves. Did he not? And they said, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Because he was El Shaddai. He was the God who was able. He was the God who had the authority as well as the power. Think about it like this. He's the one that has the gun and the badge. I can go out there on the road, and I can try to stop all the cars I want to. I can stand in the middle of that road, and I can scream and wave my hands and say, stop, 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 stop. But most of the time, they're probably not going to do it. I doubt very seriously they're going to stop because I don't have the authority. But you get a cop out there suited up, and he's got his gun and his badge, he can stand in the middle and he can stop a semi-truck. Why? Because he's got the power with the gun and he's got the authority with the badge. God has both. He has both the power and the authority to override any nature, anything against us in nature, anything that opposes him. He has the authority to overrule nature when it is necessary to accomplish what he desires. And in doing that, he gets all the glory because there's no other way it could have happened. And that's why he was doing this with Abram and with Sarah. For him to be shown to be the one who had all power and nothing could stand in his way. This reveals him as the God of miracles. The one who can burst through any bond against him, anything binding him, or any limitation. 
He can overcome all obstacles. He can overcome any force or resistance that's set against his word when it goes forth. Turn with me now to Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to read how Paul defines him. I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. And Paul says this. He says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Paul is talking about El Shaddai. He is talking about the one who is able. And it's interesting in the Greek, when you look that up, it actually refers to someone that has the power within his own ability to do it or within his own resources to do it. See, this comes on the heel with Abraham when he, he and Sarah had made the mistake in chapter 16, remember? To try to help God out. God doesn't need any help. He has all the power within his own ability, his own resources. He is capable. He is able. He is self-sufficient. He is able to speak a word and it come to pass. What does Genesis 1 tell us? And he spoke like be, and it was. And he spoke for the land and the sea to separate and the waters to be gathered together and the land to come together. And it was. He spoke the stars and the planets in existence. He spoke and he said, let them spin before me in praise. And so that's why the earth still spins. 6,000 years after he spoke it, the earth still spins today. And it will continue to spin in praise to him because he made a rhema word that he had the authority and the ability to bring to pass. If you'll remember, Jesus encounters a man later, and I'm going to get into this in another lesson, but he encounters a man later that, that comes to him and says, would you please heal my servant? He's a good man. Jesus says, sure, I'll come and I'll heal him. And the man says, no, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Only speak a rhema. Only speak a rhema word. That's all I need. Because if you will speak it, it will be done. Now that's some faith. And that even stopped Jesus in his tracks. And he said, I've not seen this kind of faith in Israel yet. I'm telling you what, that's some kind of faith. He did. He said it was great faith. And we want to have that kind of faith. I'm not there yet. 
but I'm on the journey. Hallelujah. He is able to speak a rhema word and bring it to pass. Another example, he gave a promise in Genesis 3.15, and he said that there would be a seed of the woman that would crush the serpent's head. He said in Isaiah that there would be a virgin that would conceive and bear a son, and his name would be called God with us. And both of those, there were hundreds of years. There was about 4,000 years between Genesis 3.15 and Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. There was about seven or 800 years between Isaiah 7.14 and Luke chapter 1. And yet, that rhema word that God had spoken so many years ago was still just as powerful and just as effective and would come to pass. And he goes to Mary and he says, Tag Mary, you're it. You're the one that Isaiah talked about. You're the one that I talked about in Genesis 3.15. So many years ago, that word is still powerful. He only speaks a word and it doesn't lose its power. No matter how much time has lapsed, no matter how much distance is involved, it doesn't lose its power. It is a powerful word. As a matter of fact, the Greek word comes from, it's the word that we get the word dynamite from. So when God speaks a rhema word, it has explosive power to it. It has creative power to it. It has unrestricted power, uncontested power, and irresistible power to it. It is like dynamite. It's more than necessary, over and above and beyond the need. So this is where I want to share with you a little bit about how God convicted me. As I was reading through this and I began to study there in Genesis 18, 14, where it says, is anything too hard, too difficult for the Lord? I'm going to tell you a little bit about what that word, the word there where it says too hard means. It literally is saying beyond my power. Is anything so separate, so distinguished, so marvelous, so difficult that it cannot match my power, that my power can't bring it to pass. Is anything surpassing me and my ability? And when I was studying that, I, had, I mean, it was like the Holy Spirit just absolutely slammed my heart with that in a good way. And I was seriously convicted because I began to realize there's things in my life that seem impossible. About almost a year ago, got a CAT scan back that said that, that there's a chronic disease which they say is incurable in the natural. It's not something that they could do anything about other than treat me. I've had thyroid cancer in the past. I have still deal with issues, things in my life. And I was convicted because I had to face that, you know what? I had limited God. And I had put God in a box that says, okay, God, you can heal my headaches, but you can't heal this. You can, you can do this for me, but you can't part the Red Sea. Do you see what I'm saying? 
I had to realize that I had limited my God. And there's nothing beyond his ability. And I had to realize that. And so in doing that, he was showing me through my own story how I needed to let faith arise in my heart. And I needed to know him as El Shaddai. I needed to know him as the God who is exceedingly and abundantly able to touch me in spite of what might seem impossible and not to limit him anymore. We're the ones who put him in a box. We're the ones who limit his power and his ability. It's not him. And so I had to confess and repent. And I want to now take you to one more place in Scripture. In Mark chapter 9, if you want to go with me to Mark chapter 9. And I'm going to read this story to you because there's a couple of places that I really want to hone in on. Beginning in verse 14 in Mark chapter 9. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. It foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when I was reading back over this yesterday, I had to cry. And I, I imagine that that servant was just convicted. That man was just convicted to realize, man, my faith is not where it needs to be. I do believe I've got a measure. Everybody's got a measure. But it's not where God wants it to be. He wants me to know him as El Shaddai, the God of miracles in whatever situation, Deborah, we're in, in whatever thing that's opposing us, in whatever incurable thing that, that the doctors tell us, in whatever Red Sea we need to part, in whatever it is, God wants us to know him as the God who is exceedingly, abundantly able. He is able to do it. There is nothing beyond his power or his ability. And God wants to cleanse us of doubt. 
He wants just like that man that said, if you can do anything. And Jesus comes back and says, oh, you don't understand. Let your faith arise. Because if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. And maybe you find yourself like me, where sometimes we put God in this box and we say, God, we, think you can, we know you can do this. We're not too sure about this over here. Maybe we're all in that same boat together. I don't know. But I believe that God wants us to know him as El Shaddai. Know him that he is able. And let faith arise in our heart. We surrender the timing to him. We surrender the way he's going to do it to him. We don't control any of those things. We yield those things to him. But what we do do is we stand in faith and we believe his word. And we keep on believing his word. And we keep on standing because we know he is able. He is able to do it. Nothing is beyond his ability. I speak it to you right now. Nothing surpasses his strength. Nothing is too difficult for him to bring to pass and make it happen. So whatever your situation is, I don't know. Maybe you've been told it's a terminal or incurable problem you're dealing with physically. Maybe you've been told there's a financial hardship. Maybe you're looking at a financial hardship that looks impossible. I am speaking to you today about the things in your life that look impossible. The things you've got a lost loved one or you've got a prodigal that you don't know. You feel like maybe he's gone too far or she's gone too far. God can't reach them. God can't love them. They've gone too far. I'm here to tell you they've not gone too far. They have not gone too far. The good shepherd. I love this scripture and I take it back to God many times over my children. I said, God, you said that the good shepherd would leave the 99 and go after that one until he finds it. They can't run far enough because God's going after them until he finds them. And he's going to deal with them and he's going to draw them. And I believe that. What is it in your life? Marriage, family troubles. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you that whatever your need is, El Shaddai shows us he is the God of miracles. He is the God who is exceedingly and abundantly able he is the God who surpasses the bounds of nature to do what his word has promised. He surpassed that when he promised Abram a son, and he gave him a son at 99 years old. He surpassed it when he gave the promised one Jesus after 4,000 years of that rhema word being spoken. He surpassed it when he calmed the storms with his word and said, Peace, be still. He surpassed it when he walked on the water and the water became a floor for him. He surpassed it when he cast out demons and made them be silent. He surpassed it when he parted the Red Sea and the children walked immediately on dry ground. He surpassed it when he raised Lazarus from the dead. He surpassed it when he arose from the grave. All were miracles. They could not have been done in the natural. 
They required limitless supernatural ability. And God did everything, every one of them. Nothing can hold him back. Nothing can resist him. Nothing can surpass him. No forces can stand against him. He has no boundary. He has no limit. He has no such vocabulary as impossible, incurable, unable, or unthinkable. He is El Shaddai. And this is not meant in any way to condemn any of us for our lack of faith in him. Not at all. But, but the Lord was raising that faith level in me. And he is raising that for me to believe him and know him as El Shaddai. It is an invitation for us to let faith arise in our hearts. So I encourage you, believe him for whatever your need is. We leave the timing, we leave the way, we leave all of that in his hands. But let faith arise because El Shaddai is the God of miracles, the God who is self-sufficient and able to meet your need, whatever it is, even if it looks impossible. Believe him. Father, thank you for this precious word. Thank you, God, that you are revealing to us so much about who you are because you want us to believe you. You want us to know you. You've given us an invitation to this wonderful depth of relationship with you, Lord. And I praise you for that. I ask that you will use this word to speak to your people and to encourage them and to lift their hearts and lift that faith in their hearts, God. Increase our faith. We all recognize like that, that man did. Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Increase my faith in you, Lord, because you are the God who is abundantly, exceedingly able. And we praise you for that revelation and for the power of your word. Thank you, Father. Bless your people today. And as we go now, help us to worship you, the God who is self-sufficient and able. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.